You are listening to a sermon from the First Baptist Church of Ewing, a Christ-centered church in Lewis County. Uh, There are a variety of famous movies that I have never uh, seen before. Uh, When it comes to famous actors, famous films, uh, I am almost always uh, out of the loop. Uh, And one of those uh, classic films, which I've never watched, so I am not officially promoting or endorsing it, uh, but that is The Godfather. Uh, That is a classic piece of American cinema, uh, and it has probably been uh, parodied or quoted uh, more than just about any other uh, movie. Uh, Particularly, there's that iconic line where the actor, uh, Marlon Brando, says uh, that, you know, he's going to make him an offer that he he can't refuse. Uh, I, I have seen that particular clip. Uh, and every time I watch that, that, that always just kind of sends a chill up my spine because you know when he is talking about an offer, uh, he's not talking about a positive business transaction. Uh, he's, he's talking about a, a death threat. Um, so this morning, uh, we're not going to be talking uh, much about The Godfather, uh, but we are talking about the life of Abraham Uh, And the offer the Lord makes him uh, in the form of a covenant in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, And when Abraham hears the promises that are associated uh, with this covenant, he comes to discover that this, this truly is an offer that he cannot refuse. Uh, It is an offer that is too good to be true. So let us read and discover this covenant this morning uh, that the Lord makes with Abraham. We're going to go verses 1 through 21, Genesis chapter 15. Uh, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision, and he said to him, "Uh, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. Uh, But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so so one of my servants will be my heir. And then the Lord told him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and he said to him, look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous uh, because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign God, how can I be sure I will actually possess it? And the Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. 
So Abram presented all of this, all of these to him and killed them. And then he cut each animal down the middle and he laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. And the sun was going down. Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came over him. And then the Lord said to Abram, you uh, can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. And as for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. And after the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking firepot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I have given you this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. A lot of ites there. Um, I'm sure you probably noticed as I was reading in the passage uh, that he's actually referred to as Abram in this passage, not Abraham. Uh, his name isn't actually changed to Abraham uh, until two chapters later. Uh, but for simplicity's sake this morning, uh, I'm just going to refer, refer to him as Abraham. Because uh, if I had tried to remember to call him Abram, I would just forget and I would be all over the place. Uh, but last week, uh, we began a sermon series uh, entitled History is His Story. Uh, I've chosen 16 passages. Um, each one of these are critical turning points in the Bible that kind of reveal to you the broader message of God's unfolding plans for man. Uh, and they showcase to you that all of history really is His story. So last week, we looked at the beginning of this story by looking at God's creation as how it ought to have been. Uh, we saw that the Lord had an original purpose for his creation. Uh, but this week, we see uh, that just because the world has become tainted by sin, that doesn't mean that God's plans have gone away. Uh, we're going to look at the life of Abraham to see the beginnings of the Lord's plans to restore this once broken world. Uh, my hope for you uh, is that you would see this morning that if you are a spiritual heir of Abraham, then this covenant isn't just for him, but this covenant is for you as well. Uh, four takeaways from this covenant that I want you to understand. Uh, first, this covenant is undeserved. Uh, you didn't do anything to 
earn it. But secondly, it's not just under, uh, undeserved, uh, but the more you understand it, the more it becomes completely unexpected as well. Uh, it, it is bigger uh, and better than you ever anticipated. Thirdly, uh, it is also unconditional. Uh, it doesn't rest upon you, uh, and there's nothing uh, on your part that you can do to ruin it. And lastly this morning, and probably most importantly of all, this covenant is unstoppable. It is guaranteed. Uh, it may not come about how you expected or when you expected, but you can rest assured that nothing can stop it from coming to fruition. So first, this covenant is undeserved. Abraham did nothing to earn the right to establish this covenant with the Lord. We, we don't know a whole lot about the early life of Abraham. We're not introduced to him till the end of Genesis uh, chapter 11, and by that time he is already 75 years old. Uh, but we do know that he and his family were originally from a city called Ur, which sat between the Tigris and Euphrates River. So he lived not far from the garden where his ancestors, Adam and Eve, originated from. And we also know that by the time of Abraham, the descendants of Adam and Eve, who resided in Ur, they had ceased worshiping the Lord. So Abraham and his entire families were pagans that worshipped the pantheon of pagan gods in that city. So it is clear that Abraham is not the ideal candidate to enter into this covenantal agreement with the Lord. He didn't even know who the Lord was. So instead, somehow, in some way, it was the Lord that sought out Abraham and revealed himself to Abraham and his family and called him out of this pagan homeland so that he might bless him and his family beyond measure. And if you think about it, you, you would be hard-pressed to understand a definitive reason as to why the Lord chose Abraham, other than just simply saying that it was on the basis of God's own good pleasure and his grace. And when you think about that calling and you think about the story and the life of Abraham, now if you are a follower of Jesus, then that story, his story, should have a, an eerily uh, familiar sound to it. It should sound similar to your own story because like Abraham, you too were once living in your own pagan land. You, you were consumed worshiping your own status, your own idols, your own self-appearance, your own self-worth, uh, finding your hope and identity in the internet and on social media and on everything else other than the Lord, and yet for reasons that have nothing to do with anything that you said 
anything that you did have nothing to do with anything that you accomplished. The Lord sought you out. You didn't deserve it. You didn't even know who he was yet, but he pulled you away from the slums of your own sin and idolatry, and he gave you spiritual life, and he has blessed you beyond measure. And you, like Abraham, would be hard-pressed to understand why he has chosen you, other to simply point to the realization that it must have solely been on the basis of his good pleasure and his grace. He is like a father uh, who takes delight in giving giving good gifts to his children, so too the Lord simply took delight in giving you the gift of spiritual life. So we see that this is an undeserved covenant. Uh, this is also an unexpected covenant. When you realize uh, everything that the Lord has done from you stems solely from his mercy and is completely undeserved, then everything that he does also becomes completely unexpected. The Lord called Abraham far away from his family and his home, uh, and while Abraham does recognize that his life has been blessed because of that. Um, he, still sees, uh, he still struggles to see benefits of this blessing. Uh, in verse 2, he says, Sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? At this point, Abraham is 75 years old. Uh, He and his wife are already too old uh, to have children of their own, and he therefore assumes that a servant of his named Eleazar will inherit all of his possessions. That was kind of the custom of the day uh, that if you didn't have children of your own, you'd often hire a servant to manage your property and your household assets, uh, especially as you grew older. And if you died childless, then they would inherit all of the wealth that you have left behind. But in this unexpected twist, the Lord walks outside with Abraham and he tells him to look up at the night sky and he asks him to count the number of stars if he can. And he says that that's how many descendants you will have. Now, those of you who are familiar with this story, you know that even after this promise, um, it's still 24 years before that promise comes to pass. Uh, Abraham is 99 uh, years old when Isaac is finally born. It will take over two decades for God to make good on what he said uh, he was going to do. But Isaac will be born, uh, and he becomes the father of Jacob. And Jacob fathers uh, 12 sons, and those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel that make up the backbone of an entire nation. And so in its due course of time, Abraham's descendants 
uh, they do indeed become more numerous than even the stars in the sky. But the Lord's plans are often different than you might expect, but they are always greater than you expect. They may be different, but they are always greater. Jesus puts it this way. Uh, Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 13. He says that the kingdom of heaven uh, is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has uh, and buys that field. So Jesus gives this story uh, that's a, a picture of what it looks like to stumble upon something that is completely unexpected, but exceedingly greater than anything that you would have fought on your own. Uh, he says that, that you are just walking through life being driven by your own ambitions, pursuing your own goals, and suddenly, by the, the Lord's mysterious grace, he reveals to you this hidden treasure chest of infinite value that Christians call the gospel, and though it completely disrupts your own plans, you instantly realize that this hope of eternal life and the hope of eternal communion with God that this gospel offers is of such immeasurable worth that it causes you to run with joy to sell all of your possessions so that you might obtain that spiritual treasure. That's the kind of covenant that the Lord is making with Abraham. Uh, It's a covenant that may at times seem unexpected, uh, but it is far better than what Abraham or you could ever have imagined on your own. So it's an unexpected covenant. Uh, Thirdly, it's also an unconditional covenant. You should take great comfort in this reality that the covenant that the lord has made with you is completely unconditional its fulfillment is not based upon your merit it does not rest upon you it it cannot and it will not fail because god himself cannot fail This covenant with you cannot and will not fail because God himself cannot fail. It cannot be undone by any of your own shortcomings. Uh, After the Lord makes this promise to Abraham uh, that his heirs will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, uh, he also promises that they will have a great inheritance Uh, in the land of Cana. Uh, He says that the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, all of those other nations currently dwelling in that land, that one day they are going to be destroyed by their own detestable sins. And Abraham's descendants will one day inherit those riches. And, And upon hearing this, Abraham again he trusts in the Lord's sovereignty, 
Uh, But he still has to ask, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? He, he wants to know if he can be guaranteed of this promise. And, and what happens and, and what ensues is perhaps the, the strangest part of this chapter. Abraham is told to take a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he is to slaughter and cut each of them down the middle, and he's to lay the halves side by side, uh, except apparently the birds. Uh, I guess they're small enough that he doesn't have to worry about cutting them in half. Uh, And this custom, uh, it, it seems really, really strange as you read about it, but Abraham would have stood, understood exactly what the Lord was asking of him. Uh, This is a well-established tradition uh, in ancient Near East civilizations uh, between prominent kings and uh, men of affluence and wealth. Uh, In order to make any kind of treaty or covenant with one another, they would often slaughter animals, and both of the parties would walk in the middle in between the blood. They, they would walk through the blood, and in doing so, it would signify what would happen to either party should they fail to uphold their end of the bargain. Both sides would be accountable and have their own blood shed, just like the blood of those animals, if they forsook the commitments that they have made. But what's strange in this story, however, is how it concludes. Verse 17, the Lord appears in the form of a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch, kind of reminiscent of how he would one day appear as a pillar of cloud and fire to Moses and the Israelites. And then it is only the Lord that passes through the blood. Abraham is in a deep sleep watching all of this in a dream or a vision. It is only the Lord who walks through this blood, meaning that it was only the Lord and not Abraham that is bound by this covenant. Now, that's not to say that Abraham still didn't have uh, expectations to live up to, but it is to say that his failures and shortcomings uh, and those of his descendants that is not going to keep the promises of this covenant from coming about and when you fast forward to look at Christ walking down the road on the way to the cross you see this coming true by that point Abraham's heirs Uh, They had already not only inherited the promised land, but they themselves had been exiled from it because of their own detestable sins. Uh, And now in Jesus's day, they stood mocking him uh, instead of proclaiming the Messiah that they had long been waiting for. And yet, despite their failures, 
despite their shortcomings, despite that they now mocked their very Messiah, you see that Jesus is still firm in his resolve to uphold his end of this covenant. He not only walks through the blood of sacrificed animals, he sheds his own blood and he becomes that sacrifice. And nothing that you have ever said and nothing that you have ever done can undo that work on the cross. No action on your part can ever add to that accomplishment. No, no earthly means can ever enhance what he did. It is an unconditional covenant that did not and does not rest upon you. You cannot undo it. You cannot outdo it. You simply just have to rejoice in the reality that it has been done. It has been accomplished, and it is finished. Lastly, though, this morning, and this is most important, uh, you see that because this covenant is unconditional, uh, because it does not rest upon you, it is unstoppable. It cannot fail because God himself cannot fail. Uh, the last four verses of this covenant, uh, it talks about Abraham uh, and his descendants, and he says that they will take control of this land. They will inherit it all the way from Egypt to the Euphrates. Uh, but before they conquer the lands, the Lord notes that Abraham's descendants first must be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And during that time, I am sure that there were more than one occasion where the plans of the Lord seemed to be unfolding slowly enough that those descendants wondered if that plan was unfolding at all. But, but even though God's promise at times may seem gradual, it is guaranteed. Just as the Lord promised the land, so too did he keep that promise through Moses. Moses would free his people from the bonds of Egypt, and then Joshua would let them walk across the Jordan River into that promise and conquer the promised land. And by the time you arrive at King Solomon and his reign, you finally see that all of this has come to pass, that their nation and their influence does stretch all the way from the banks of the Nile to the banks of the Euphrates River. His promise to Abraham's physical descendants progressed slow, but as an unstoppable force. And even greater than the physical fulfillment of that promise is the spiritual fulfillment of that promise given to you. Paul writes about this in Galatians 3. Let me read Galatians 3.29 for you. It says, 
if you are Christ's, then you too are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. If, if you are in Christ, then the promises of Abraham are promises that have been made to you. Though the, the covenant has already physically been fulfilled, you are now seeing it spiritually fulfilled. Though, though sin had seemingly spoiled God's creation, Jesus came as a new Moses to set his people free. Moses led Abraham's physical descendants towards a physical land where they would find rest, but Jesus and all of those who submit to him as king and savior, he is leading his people the spiritual descendants of Abraham, to a land of eternal rest where man and God can dwell together once again. Now, your life may often feel as though none of this is happening, as though no discernible progress in this plan is being made. Uh, you, you may wake up to a new day, but you feel like you're still dealing with the same sins that you have always faced. Uh, you, you may feel kind of like the Israelites as they were walking through the desert. Yes, you have been freed from bondage, uh, but as you are looking about, you, you see no land flowing with milk and honey before you. The, the spiritual life, around you is more like a dry desert than any kind of promised land. But if God's covenant with you is unconditional, and if it doesn't rest upon you, then it is unstoppable. If he had the strength to set you free from your sins, then he has the strength to sustain you until all of the sin in your life has been vanquished and you have been fully sanctified and you are able to rest in that eternal promised land and the new heavens and the new earth where you will dwell with Jesus forevermore. So we, we've seen this morning that if you are a spiritual heir, of Abraham through Jesus, then this covenant that we have looked at is for you. And that covenant is undeserved and unexpected. It is unconditional yet unstoppable. I want to end this morning by asking you about how knowing those truths will affect your life this week. What will you do with these truths that you have been taught? How will you actively apply them to your life in the days ahead? Uh, if you're here this morning uh, and you're not a follower of Christ, then I would encourage you to enter into this covenant that God has offered to you. 
So submit to Christ and see that the promises that he provides are far greater than any alternative that you could ever imagine. And if you are a follower of Christ this morning, my encouragement would be for you to cling all the more closely to the promises of this covenant. I pray that, that you would realize that this covenant is not merely the means by which Christ saved you, but it is also the means by which he will sustain you each and every day.